Howdy, y'all. This week's episode of Southland Scruffy Podcast is once again brought to you by our good friends at Cosmetic. Cosmetic CBD-infused skincare products help ease aches, pains, inflammation, and arthritis by using their proprietary topical CBD formulas. Cosmetics Hemp Pain Cream is a good one to start with to really get the vibe of some of their products. Cosmetics Hemp Pain Cream is infused with their patented CBD formula, which naturally fights inflammation in achy muscles and joints. I rub it deep into an achy muscle, any achy muscle, and it starts working within seconds. Each bottle of Cosmetics Hemp Pain Cream is infused with 400 milligrams of their proprietary CBD solution. You can get 20% off of your entire cosmetic order by using promo code SOS20, that's SOS20, at checkout at Cosmetics Online Store. Be kind to your skin and go to Cosmedicated.com. That's C-A-U-S-E, Medicated.com. Get in there, all right? Let's do the podcast. Welcome in, friends, scruffheads. Thanks for being here. This is South of Scruffy Podcast. My name is Ben Fields. I host this thing, and uh, I've got Andy Fellu on the show today. Andy is the uh, co-founder, Lock and Key Productions. They're doing some killer stuff over there. Uh, Andy and I have been uh, trying to get together and do this for a year now. Uh, the pandemic derailed our plans to do this back in 2020, about this time last year. But with vaccinations now being in play and the stringent safety measures that uh, we abide by here in the shop when we do in-person interviews, uh, we felt like it was time. So we did it. And it was great. I respect Andy a lot, man. His uh, his body of work producing content for you know the music festivals like Bonnaroo. That's just the the beginning of of their stuff. And we dig into how they kind of parlayed that focus uh, of producing content for live music and music festivals uh, into doing all kinds of motion picture work across a lot of different formats and platforms. Uh, hope you guys enjoy our chat. Let's get to it. Here we are. This is me and uh, Andy Fellu. We're doing the pop Yeah, uh, breaking a collarbone right now would hurt me yeah. for a little while. It wouldn't be good. Yeah. Yeah. Bummer. Dude, um, congratulations on the 10-year birthday yeah, of thank Lock you. and Key. Thank you. That's exciting, man. Yeah, I... Uh... It, it went by really fast, honestly. Did it? Uh, yeah, it did. Um, you guys, um, I remember I had Lauren Lazarus here, and she started dropping names about everybody that used to work oh, at yeah. Knox Ivy. And oh, I was yeah. like, just hearing everybody's name is like Man, a, a farm hit. system. Yeah, no, it was great. And I mean, I feel like I've, I learned so much from that experience. And I feel like if you had talked to me five years ago, you would have got to get a very different uh perspective on what happened there yeah but now it's you know i mean it's it's all honestly it's all good i i I feel like the one thing they did really well was um find really great people i mean like some of my favorite people some of the most talented people but you know some of the biggest lessons i've learned in business were from that and they're all on what not to do yeah so my uh my business partner and i both worked there together and uh is that eli yeah yeah Yeah. i don't know him yeah, I met him before, but you guys started Lock and Key in 2011, I guess. 2011, and oh, uh, 
yeah, there was, there was, were four of us and actually two other Knox Ivy folks. And, uh, you know, I will say the first few years were not very fruitful and not a lot was happening. And so, uh, one of the partners, uh, ended up dropping off fairly early and the other one, um, he started producing finding Bigfoot for animal planet. Okay. And so eventually he relocated his family to LA, but you know, I mean, it was slim pickings on the, you know, gigs that actually generated money. Yeah. What'd and, you guys do when you started? Um, to keep of, the lights on. <laughs> uh, well, you know, the lights were in our homes and, uh, oh, okay. you know, so yeah, we, yeah, we, we were, you bootstrapped it for a little while know, from we, the house. We bootstrapped it for a very long time. Um, and yeah, I mean, we did, uh, some live streaming stuff with the Knoxville ice bears and with oh. Maribel college. And okay. so I actually personally shot the ice bears for like eight seasons or something. Like I started doing it when I was at UT live streaming. What was on um, the jumbotron deal well, or whatever? Yeah. They had like, um, you know, a little webcast thing. Okay. And so it was like a single camera. And so I also did that. And then, uh, uh, had like, uh, game DVDs that would go to each team and the refs. And so, so they could watch some film. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I was that guy for a while and, you know, it was like a, you know, did not pay particularly well, but I, the time, I mean, it was me getting paid to do video stuff. And yeah. I still remember, you know, using the, you know, those little like, uh, Sony PD one seventies, you know, uh, is that a camcorder, uh, n- like a low level ENG okay. camera, you know, about that big, yeah. but you know, and of course the little viewfinder is this big and trying to follow a hockey puck, which is like, didn't even recognize, <laughs> you know, you know, you didn't even show up as like a pixel on, on the screen. You remember when they made them blue and they did like the comet oh, yeah. for, oh, yeah. for, for yeah. hockey. Yeah. They did that for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> they did. The damn thing. It was still, yeah, it, it's still a, Hockey fans did not want that. That yeah, went away it, very quickly. It but, did go away. Um, so that is that how you is that how you got in the video game? Was doing the ice bear uh, stuff? That was how I started. Actually, I mean, those were like, you know, the paying gigs that I yeah. would do. I mostly what I would do is just find bands to shoot, and you know, it was always all about you know that side of things. Of course, the bands did not have you know money yeah ever. any no i know it's, most of them still do not or if they do they especially now have no interest in sharing it but uh but it was not really about that um but yeah no the icebergs were a big part of it and uh always loved going to the games and all that and uh but yeah no the the early years like those were the only days that eli and i could look at a calendar and say hey i'm gonna i'm gonna actually have come home with you know a little bit of money from those nights and so we started doing like these multi-camera broadcasts uh, for you know them and Maryville College uh, football and basketball, and um, you know, but the the Knox Ivy stuff. I mean, it was such. I feel like I just had so much like anger and resentment for it. But I mean, we we used to have this philosophy, and we're essentially would be like, what would you know? We'll, I'm not gonna call anybody out by name, but yeah. you know, what would our old boss have done in this situation? And so once we actually had employees, it was always like a, we check ourselves and be like, Hey, wait, what would he do? And it, we don't, okay. And we would do the opposite thing. And that was always <laughs> our approach. And I mean, like still to this day, every once in a while, we'll throw one of those out there. And we'll yeah. like, we're still checking ourselves and being like, Oh, and you know, you start to realize and you're just like, man, we had so many cool, talented people. Yeah. But if you don't trust them to do the job, if you don't listen to them, if you're not giving them the tools they need, if you're not, you know, 
then they're going to do crappy work. And we were doing crappy work. You and, and yeah, oh yeah. And I mean, you know, and, and there was a few things that were far better than they had any right being. But, you know, for as a whole, you know, we're all this talent. And it was just like, oh, yeah, you know what? If you treat people like crap and you don't listen to them and you, you know, then they're going to put out crappy work. And so, you know, that was one of the kind of founding, you know, kind of cornerstones of the business was mm. just a, you know, find the right people of, of locking. Yeah. Yeah. You know, find the right people and uh, treat them really well and show them respect and all that. And when people are happy, they represent you well, they do good work, you know, like they, uh, you know, they're, they're happy to go above and beyond. And, you know, and I mean, you know, as any young production company deals with your your desire to make good stuff is not always matched by, you know, budgets and sure. clients need, you know? And so right. it was always sort of a, like, how can we find ways to make stuff better than what we're being paid to do? You know, how can we be excited about it? Better than it has to be better yeah. than it's expected to be. Is that kind of a principle that you guys grew the company on was, was get a, well, get a client and then, and then mine from within, grow it, make it great. Get yeah. the budget bigger next time. I mean, I don't know. I, I think that, you know, obviously that, that side of it's always great. And, you know, I think you have different goals, different um, kind of perspectives on it, you know, as you sort of grow up in it, it's like, initially it's like, I just want to make cool shit. And you just want to, you know, uh, uh, originally we just wanted to like, Hey, can we actually make it to where this is our job? And I, I don't have to have a come to Jesus talk with my wife every, you know, few months about like, uh, am I going to become like an accountant or just like have right. to give it up? You know? So, I mean, it was Get a real job. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, and so it, man, it was, it was hard going. And I think we always kind of had a bit of a chip on our shoulder for a long time because we didn't like start off with, you know, you know, some huge, you know, windfall of cash. And we right. didn't, you know, we, I, we'd gotten like a, a $10,000 loan from, uh, uh, one of our partners, Sean Mantooth from his dad. And, uh, Man, that, you know, we bought our first, I remember we bought, God, it was a Canon XF 300 and it was, you know, like a $6,800 camera and the rest went to, you know, crappy light gets <laughs> and, you know, some crappy audio gear. And, uh, it was like the biggest deal in the world. And so, yeah. you know, and, you know, we paid it back after a few years, but it, man, let me just tell you the first time sell, like we, when we sold that camera, it was like 6,800 bucks when we bought it. We sold it for like $1,100, like yeah. two years later. It's crazy. It, it was insane and that's when i was like oh wait glass glass will, will hold its value you know like, so you started spending your money well, on lenses after that <laughs> you know we, we i i used to always kind of have this thing where i'd be like you know we don't get to have like an asterisk next to our work right where you know you play some of and be like oh man that's awesome and i'd be like yeah but we did it for this budget with this crew and this gear and it's like holy shit that is freaking amazing yeah. but it's like you don't get the asterisk you know right like, there's not there's nothing that lets people know that you're judged on the same level so yeah I think we looked at it like, um, you know, we we wanted to be able to do that same level of work the companies we looked up to were doing. And, you know, we felt like, you know, we earned it the hard way. And, um, you know, so it's been, you know, it's been cool just to kind of finally get over the hump and, um, you know, and be able to, like, do projects that are, you're like, oh, wow, we actually, you know, had what we needed to make yeah. that happen. You know? Well, what were, what were some of the companies that you guys were looking up to at the time that were doing, you know, big stuff or, or, the, uh, or the level of work well, that I, you guys didn't I mean, feel you know, like you couldn't do with a 
with a XF 300. Well, I'll tell you, man, it's actually kind of funny. There didn't really seem like there were all that many around here. Yeah. Like, there no, weren't, but like not like the, the, the kind of stuff that we do and pop fizz does, you know, like it was, you know, Jupiter and river. Yeah. Which is all on air or, you know, linear TV, yeah. uh, long form stuff. Right. Yeah. yeah. Weren't a lot of commercial production companies around. No, it seemed like, and if there were, I, I didn't really know about them. Um, there was tantrum pictures, with Michael Underwood. There was uh Phil Hardison flip films was, but those were kind of one man in a Rolodex kind of companies. They didn't have staffs really. Yeah. You know, and then, um, Scott Colthorpe, right? He did he did some of that stuff with uh, Atmosphere Pictures. I don't know. I think he. Had I think a, I remember the name, but you know. Yeah, there were there were a couple of them that were around, uh, but there weren't. I, I I think of four now that we have here. There's there's Lock and Key. There's Pop Fizz. There's Draft, and there's Big Slate. As the four that I think of is kind of being in the same kind of world, the same kind of ballpark. They have staffs of. Yeah, technicians old, old, and artists. And, I will say always abounding is doing some good stuff. I don't know them. Yeah. We should check them out. They're uh, okay. Good, good dudes too. So, but, but that, but that doesn't seem like, it seems like you guys were the first ones to kind of come up with the model uh, around here. I guess draft was around the same time. Yeah. Of like hire Jow people. Pro. Yeah. Jow, Jow proud. Jow pro, yeah. yeah. Have people on staff, good people, and then just hustle, grind, go do the work the best you can. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's, I mean, I'll say, you know, when I came out of school at UT, I wanted to do a bit of everything. And it really? was kind of one of those things where this was sort of like, right, like the DSLR revolution was like about to happen. And, you know, the whole like one man band stuff wasn't really as regular. It was kind of like a, oh, no, you have to be an editor. You have to do sound. You have to do all these right. things. And so I just never really wanted to do that. And so, I mean you know what I, I mean, all I really did when I was in school video, I mean, I basically just checked out gear from UT and just had my friends helping me shoot bands. And, you know, yeah. the number of like multi-cam sh band shoots we did where I have, you know, four people who have never held a camera in their life, you know, just because I just wanted to do it and, you know, point uh, it over there. Yeah. Let me just tell you right now, uh, <laughs> for any, any aspiring, uh, filmmakers out there, uh, Shooting, uh, if you're going to shoot a band at the Preservation Pub, mm -hmm. make sure you have an audio guy who can give you good audio. The number of great shows we shot where it was just like, oh, man, the audio just couldn't really? happen. Yeah. Did you not get a soundboard feed? Or well, something? you would, but, you know, they're mixing for the room, you know, yeah. and, and it's, it was always just a challenging room. And in no way is that meant to you know, just a shot oh, no. on the sound guys around there. But uh, it's meant to be loud. Yeah. And yeah. smoky. Yeah. You can hear the smoke. Yeah. You can absolutely <laughs> hear the smoke and and the people smoking it. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a big part of it, too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we've had some great shoots there that we're like, oh man, this, the audio is just, you know, yeah. and, and one thing bands are not cool about is, you know, bad audio, bad audio. Yeah. 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 That's pretty magic room, honestly. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, that was, that was definitely my bar of choice for many, many, many years. And Me then, too. You know, Scruffy City Hall, I, I kind of evolved to, because of, you know, get to that point where you're not in like a college environment all the time. And it's like, oh wait, I don't want to have smoke, you know, have to like, you know, yeah, leave my, my clothes yes, outside yes. after I get home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. So. so what was the first, was there like a, Oh man, this, this lock and key thing is going to work moment for you guys. Well, and I'll use this as an opportunity just to kind of, you know, uh, kind of bring up just, you know, the fact that first of all, like I, I do really enjoy the podcast and I, um, listen to it a lot and, and ton of my favorite people and people I know well and people I've admired, you know, have all been on it. And I've, I feel like the biggest thing that I get out of it is 
this feeling of validation because I think like the one kind of common thread for pretty much all of us is that we didn't like go to business school, you know, right. like we make stuff or we, you know, um, you know, we were creators and, and, you know, the business side of it is always going to be the biggest challenge. You know, right. it's like I could make, you know, stuff look cool, but you know, can I get anybody to pay me to do it? You know? Yeah. And so I think that's kind of been one of those things of like, you know, you have the people who go to business school and who, you know, have a different approach. And and there were so many pieces of advice that we got that we chose to ignore because we're like, you know, that just doesn't feel like us, you know, like, you know, stuff like, you know, oh, like you got to, uh, if your client's a little slow on paying, you better show up, at their, you know, and, yeah. and whatever. It's like, no, I'm going to keep working with them, you know, yeah. I can, you know, and there's all these kind of, I think, more kind of antiquated you know, business philosophies that we sort of bucked and we kind of ignored. And so to hear people who I admire and, and respect a lot to be like, oh, that's, you know, that's essentially somebody paraphrasing stuff that I've said a million times. And it feels <laughs> great just to be like, oh, cool. We are not the only ones who feel that way. We're not the only ones who approach it that way. We're not, you know, um, we're not the only ones who, you know, ignored traditional advice. Yeah. You know? Industry standard, industry norms of a stuffy industry too, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think that side of things has always been, you know, those moments of feeling like, Oh wait, a bank actually looked at our stuff and was like, sure, we'll give you a loan. You know, like yeah. those, those moments where you're like, Oh, it isn't just me being good at, you know, kind of talking stuff up and getting people excited about a project, you know, right. it's more than it's like, Oh wait, there's actually the other side of it too. That's like actual success in business. And right. So. I mean, that's got to feel good when you, when you buck a trend or buck uh, some advice that is uh, se- seemingly been uh, kind of old guard or yeah. people that you trust have told you and then to feel validated when it actually yeah. <laughs> paid off in oh, the end that you've bucked that. And then just to have that series of, you know, weeks of phone calls of like in your face, you know, to everybody who gave me the opposite <laughs> advice, you know, uh, no, I'm, obviously I'm, I'm joking. I, I, I have gotten a lot of great advice that I absolutely took to heart and I'm very glad that I did as well. But, um, but yeah, you know, I've been, I would say like the most, fortunate thing. And the only reason why lock and key is actually still here is because of my business partner, Eli, who I will say, like, I absolutely hit the lottery. I mean, literally could not ask for a better person. It's kind of funny to be like, Oh wait, like I would probably be the shady one in the relationship. If anything, you know, I'd be like, you know, I'm just like, wait, you know, like I literally (laughs) just to be like, Oh, I'm never, never worried that he would, you know, uh, be like stealing from the company or something. You know what I mean? It's just like to have somebody who's that, you know, that honest and does stuff right, but is also like he is, there's nothing you cannot task this guy with. He cannot figure out and figure out how to do it at a high level. I mean, he is just such a intelligent guy and just such like a, you know, I mean, we get along great, you know, we're really great friends. Honestly, he's like one of my favorite people to, you know, hang out with and, you know, outside of work as well. But, uh, well, you guys are at Knox Ivy together. So he yeah. comes from the industry a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like the most brilliant technical director. Ah. Um, so and is I mean, that switching? Yeah, switching the show. Yep, yep. And so you know he he was the reason why that place functioned at all because he was the one who could just figure out how to make the stream. You know, it was well, not. Well, you guys were doing live streaming in yep. a, an era where it wasn't an easy thing to do. 
oh, no. just press go live, you know? Yeah, no, it was, it was a pain. And so, you know, I used to technical direct sports stuff too. And that's where we developed the relationship originally with Maryville college. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, you know, but man, he, it's constantly just amazing to me how he just continues to find ways to like be the most valuable person mm-hmm. at like, you know what I mean? Like he is absolutely the rock and he's the one who makes sure that everybody gets paid and that I don't just, you know, hire a million people and buy every piece of equipment <laughs> that exists. And, you know, and, and, and I think he just gives me, you know, balances out the perspective, um, and uh good you know, yin and yang thing oh, going very, on. very very much so um but i really cannot stress that enough like essentially i'm like somebody who can kind of uh basically yeah i get can get people excited about doing stuff but uh if i had not been surrounded by so many amazing people like it would never you know i would have fizzled away you know like a balloon just you know i would have just disappeared there. I, I absolutely cannot, uh, would not be able to do it without him. So, um, you know, we've had so many of those moments where I feel like we just felt really validated and, you know, like that, yes, like that first, that first loan, that first time where, you know, it's like, man, you know, we landed like Ripley's and mm. covenant health while wow. we we're still working out of, you know, my guest room. Um, and you know, if, if, I don't know if we would have gotten in the door if they had known, you know, known that. And I mean, you know, they end up being like some of our, our, our best, you know, longest standing clients. And, um, but, you know, I think just this whole idea that like what we're doing that other people are into and, you know, and then we start, once we started kind of building the team, I mean, we've just had the most incredible people and, you know, just to find those right people and to like put them in a position where they get to live out, you know, their dream and they get to be a part of it too. And they get to, you know, improve their lives and all that. And like seeing the growth, you know, um, have you ever met Lauren Fife? No, I've heard her name before. So she was one of our earliest employees. Um, I think she was our second employee behind Justin Cipriani. Have mm-hmm. you worked I know him? Justin. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Sip, uh, he was, he was the, he was back in the day of me and him and my tiny guest room working at side by side desks. And, uh, there's there's some great stories about you know you know him, him he's in there and I'm you know I'm in like the bedroom or something and one of my my kid comes home and you know little two year old Luke comes walking in there to see dad and then Justin turns at him and he's just you know horrified <laughs> like who is this man you know they so, they're both screaming <laughs> yeah yeah uh, you know so uh, but yeah no Lauren uh, is kind of one of those people who was just you know I yeah met her once and was like oh this she just kind of has that. Uh, indefinable quality of like, Oh, this person is just so, uh, engaging and endearing and just like, you know, just like lovely to be around. And, uh, you know, she's like our director of client services and like our you know main producer and is, you know, just seeing so much potential in her and then like having her somehow be like a million times better than I ever could have expected. It's, you know, it, these are just incredible feelings of being like, I helped put somebody in a position you know, to, to kind of, you know, live out the dream and, and, you know, and, and so, you know, we've, we've had so many of these, these people like that have, that have come around where, I mean, that's 100% my favorite part of the job is just like getting to actually offer somebody a job to be a part of it and have it be somebody who's going to like buy into it and then have them just be so much better than, you know, I could have hoped. And yeah. so, you know, it's, uh, you know, 
those moments have also been, I think, incredibly validating. Um, well, what about like watching them grow too and watching oh, yeah. them get married and have kids oh, yeah. and all that and all that kind of stuff. That's got to be a big one. It is. And, you know, just to you know, know that so, you enabled that. Yeah. A well, bit. yeah. And, and, and I, I will say 100, I would, I would never in a million years try and take credit for, you know, any of the, the great things that, that they've done. But I think that kind of just to jump back on the Knox Ivy thing, it's like, just to be like, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to listen to you and I'm going to be, you know, try to be cool to you and, you know, and, and to take that approach and then to be like very well rewarded by it. And, and yeah, now, like, I mean, I was on a shoot last night and I was like, I am by far the least useful person on this shoot now, you know? And, and so it was actually, you know, I mean, and I, I feel like I felt that way for a very long time, but, um, you know, it's just very cool to see. And, and, you know, you get to that spot now where I'm just like, man, our team has just got, you know, they've gotten so freaking good because they've, you know, they put in the time and they're, you know, it, it, it takes a very certain kind of person. And, you know, I think that's, you know, another one of those strengths of, I I will give myself a little credit of is, is finding, finding good people, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, I, I think that there's, uh, just a lot to be said. And, and so that's, an, you know, kind of another one of those things I really enjoyed about the podcast is just kind of being like, oh, so many of these people, you know, and I know Brian Allen in particular kind of jumps out as it's like, you know, Pop Fizz is great because, you know, you guys have great people and Brian lets you do your thing and, you know, shows you respect and makes it fun. And, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, we spend so much time together and I'm going to take somebody who, is a pleasure to be around and who's fun and who brings, you know, brings mm-hmm. some joy to the, you know, to the, the team. It's like, I'll, I'll take somebody who's, you know, maybe less talented, but has, you know, it's just a ton of fun to be around who, you know, has a great attitude. I'll take them all day over that person who I'm going to be dealing with ego and, you know, and I'm sure, you know, you've seen that too. It's hundred percent e- ego can ego can kind of, can destroy yeah. things and make it a lot less fun. I so. had to get rid of mine when I when I started when I started working at Pop Fizz because I, I did a lot of like high end kind of film work before where it was you know big sets and and everything everybody like you mentioned had their own job had everybody you were you were not an editor and a cinematographer and a director you were one of those things how could mm. you be all three of those things and be any good at them that's not the case anymore now you can be all three of those things and 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 be really good at them but but that was that was a lesson that I learned early on with with working with our team is like you got to be simpatico. Everybody's got to work as this family together or you're not, nobody's going to do good work. And to your point, who wants you around? It doesn't matter if you're the best one. If you're the best one out there, nobody wants to work with you. You're the worst one, you know? And then another thing you said that I I think it is very in line with something that Brian Allen said on this podcast, which was um, hire good people and get out of their way. You know, you said you were the, the least useful person on set. That's that's great. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, and I, I agree. And, you know, it's a little bit of a shitty feeling. I, I feel like that's probably been, you know, you mentioned the putting the ego aside. Cause you know, it's like, if, I feel like in order to really be effective as, you know, a director or producer, it's like, there's, there's just this, this balance where you have to have enough swagger and enough confidence to where the yeah. client believes in what you're doing. Right. Because it's all, you know, it's all that, you know, the perspective, right? Like you're going to go to a movie and, even if you're really excited about it and then like beforehand, you know, some buddy or is like, oh man, it's just freaking terrible. What, you know, or, yeah. 
you know, you're getting to a fight with your girlfriend beforehand, you know, all yeah. these different it's factors. It's going to impact change. it. Yeah. They change how you look at it. Yeah. Right. So if you're with a client and you're not, you know, calm, you don't, you, you know, they don't buy into what you're doing. They're not excited about it. And they're like, I don't know. I don't know. Then when they look at that, that rough cut, mm-hmm. they're going to look at it with a very different set of eyes, yeah. you know? And so, and you make better work or you, you do better work when you're excited about the work you're doing yeah. too. Everybody does. Yeah. If, if your leader, if whoever's out there, the, the, the person who's in charge in air quotes <laughs> uh, is excited about it. You're everybody's going to be excited about it. It doesn't matter if it's boring content, seemingly boring content, people are going to be pumped about it. And you need that cheerleader, yeah. especially when people work a lot, like mm-hmm. work hard and long days and all that, you know, it's not the eighties where it's, you know, uh, uh, cocaine music videos yeah. for 48 hours in a row. Like, you know, if we're working long days, you gotta be excited about it. People have to put their best foot forward and they're always looking to, um, to somebody, to the leader, director, producer, yeah. whoever it is that's, that's, that's pushing it along. And I think that that, to your point also about chops and, you know, a good attitude, a good attitude is more important than than great chops sometimes because yep. you can learn and, and there's you know that that's also part of it i mean and i don't know what your experience had been you know kind of early on but i mean it was very hit or miss for me when i would do freelance gigs as far as how much people were willing to share information and yeah. like help you and yeah. you know and i had some people i worked with who were amazing and i had other ones who were just you know kind of assholes about yeah. it all and so i'll say that the best people I ever worked with were very willing to share. And the ones who were kind of hacks <laughs> were the ones who were least willing to share because yep. they were insecure about you taking their job. Yep. The people who were the best, they were happy to have another person to take under their wing and teach how, how to do it the right way. They were good and they were secure about it and they were very willing to share. And then the ones who weren't willing to share were, you know, I, in, in, in my, in my experience, they, they were the ones that you had to, had to watch out for. Yep. And it's, you know, that's, that's why it's cool to kind of be with the team now where, you know, I, I kind of feel like it's like, man, if you can, if you can get a job with us, you're going to get so much better because our people are so willing, you know, or are just so willing to help each other. Cause they recognize, you know, we, we all kind of rise up together. And so, um, you know, after school, I, you know, odds and ends freelance stuff. And I, had, I, I will also say that it's, uh, are you familiar with Jim Johnson? He's a yeah. production guy. Yeah. Uh, he used to work at HP video yeah. and yeah. then he's recently, I've, he's Him been popping Silk. up in my, yeah. He yeah. and Silk have been working on some stuff together. Yeah. So Silk Cozart. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, uh, Jim had, we'd met through Knox Ivy. Um, mm. and, uh, you know, he kind of took me under his wing a bit and I, I will say, you know, it was like, I had, a good eye and a bit of talent, but I was, you know, a bit of a punk and not like, uh, you know, I mean, I was, I, I would, I'd like to think I had a good attitude, but you know, I was never, Jim kind of showed me how to be more of a professional, how to mm. deal with more professional. And I can still remember being on early shoots with him and, you know, it's like he would be the producer and I'd be, you know, running camera and you know, audio and all that. And, and, listening to him talk to these, you know, business owners and seeing how quickly he could listen to them and have like this uncanny grasp of their business and how it worked and all mm. these things. And then ask all these super smart questions and all this stuff. And I'm just like, this all just went right over my head and, really? you know, I'm, and, and it, 
I, I can just remember feeling like, so just like, Oh, I could never, you know, and, and I'll just make sure it looks good, I guess. And, you know, and, and I was always so, you know, in awe of him and, you know, I, I learned so much just as far as, you know, about how to carry yourself and all this. And then, you know, over time, it's gotten to a point now where I'm like, Oh, I can, that ended up being like one of these things I yeah. can do great. You know, when I'm in a new client meeting and I'm listening to their, you know, what they're trying to do and their problem. And immediately I'm like, Oh, here's a million examples. I can think of other clients I've worked with who had similar. And I can, yeah. not only can I show you that I understand what you're saying, I can tell you a story that resonates because, you know, and, and so it's like, Oh man, you learned uh, how to speak client. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I learned how to like, you know, and, and I mean, I still, I, I always resented him for making me tuck in my shirt and wear, you know, I had to wear a nice shirt and pants. And <laughs> we, we were actually talking about this in our uh, client planning meeting this morning because we'd had a, a, a shoot with a higher level client. I'm looking at some of the production sales. I'm like, oh man, we probably need to, you know, a post COVID, uh, uh, hey, everybody, every, everybody, let's, let's try and remember, we, you know, need to dress a little nicer for certain clients. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I, of course, was thinking about Jim making me uh, tuck in my shirt and just how, much I hated that, how un- horribly uncomfortable I was all day. Um, but, you know, you, you those those things like that, they make you better and smarter. And I'm very, you know, thankful for those experiences. Because honestly, I feel like if I didn't have, if you didn't round that out, if I didn't like learn a little bit of, you know, kind of composure and just, you know, how to how to carry yourself, you know, you, you're not going to, I would not have done well in that, you know, the, the room with, with a bunch of high level covenant health people. And actually, I... I <laughs> That it's actually a pretty funny story. So I was in there and I'm talking with a bunch of suits and I'm just, it's not going well, like at all. And, uh, you know, I kind of, you know, I'm just in there, I'm talking and I'm trying, you know, trying to kind of win them over and win over the confidence. And this is like literally just to do some low level, um, you know, internal stuff like people, you know, PowerPoint, fancy PowerPoint videos yeah. and little things like that. It's supposed to be easy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so I, I'm, I know things aren't going well. And so I have last ditch effort. I'm like, I'm like, Oh, does that, you know, does that projector work? Can I play something? So, Oh yeah, sure. So I play um, this like recap video we did for like forecastle 2012, mm-hmm. right. You know, music festival thing. And, and, you know, I play this video and it's just this super, you know, hypey, you know, festival, you know, thing, whatever. And it was like a switch flipped. It was like everybody in the room all of a sudden was just like, oh, and, you know, like the, you know, the VPs like, oh, got to carry your bag at Bonnaroo. And, you know, like, all, I mean, it was like, you know, and so it was like, oh, wait, these two different sides, they can complement each other. You know, like the mm. fact that, you know, we've had these other set of experiences and, and you know, ultimately you start realizing, you're like, oh, wait, like most people's jobs are kind of boring, you know? And so those days when we come in and we work with a company, it's like, Oh, that's fun. It's, it's like, yeah. uh, you know, and so really just trying to have that, that, you know, that m- mix of like making it really cool and fun for the client and making it something that they're just like, Oh, this was such a fun, great experience, you know, but then also being able to carry yourself like a professional and, and, you know, y- you know, it, it's, if you can talk a good game, you still got to be able to back it up. And, you know, so, uh, you know, so I think that the whole kind of idea of, you know, with ego where it's like, you have to have enough swagger to like, you know, these guys are good, you know, but not enough to where just, you know, you're an asshole and no one wants to work with you. you Yeah. People sniff that out from a mile away. 
you know, the, the entitlement thing, the blameless thing, the know-it-all kind of thing. Nobody gravitates towards that shit. No, no. And, you know, I think back to, you know, being a young, hungry kid and it's like, I'm trying to prove myself and all that. Yeah. And, and I, I'm and excited lo- about yeah. something. And I, I would never, I would never have hired, you know, if my 23 year old <laughs> self came around, like we would, I, I would not be into that at all. So is that um, how old you were when you guys started? Or I mean, after I, that, I started, I mean, I was doing just band stuff for many, many years. You're from um, Chicago, right? I am. Um, and so I never really did that. You know, that was, I was always a huge music geek and very into uh, movies and, um, you know, big Chicago sports guy. Um, so you were in, uh, I guess you would have been in the, in the heyday of the bulls, man. So yeah, living we, in Chicago in the nineties, we had my, my stepdad had, uh, with a couple guys from where he had season tickets to the bulls from like 88 to 98. So the Jordan, that's all of them. The, yes, the Jordan yes, years. yes. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if that's a coincidence, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but man, yeah, no, huge Cubs guy. Um, you know, I grew up, uh, town called Barrington. Where's that? Uh, Northwest suburb of Chicago. It's about 40 minutes away. Okay. But uh, yeah, no, and just, you know, I, uh, you know, at the same time, divorced parents, my dad and stepmom and my brother and sister, technically half brother and sister, but, you know, they're my, they're my brother and sister. Yeah, yeah. uh, So they were in Kingsport, Tennessee. Oh, okay. So, so dad moved down here. Yeah, yeah. So with your half brother and sister. Yeah, yeah. and and yeah, and so uh, and you guys stayed. You stayed with mom and yeah, stepdad up in and, uh, my, Barrington. Yeah, my older sister. And so, um, so you know, I got that kind of dual perspective thing. Yeah. Of, you know, I visit Kingsport, and you know, and go down there, and you know, so I I never really lived in Kingsport, but I, I visited a lot, and you know, so I think, you come down for the summers and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, and I come, you know, summer, spring break, or things like that. But um, so you know, I was kind of, uh, you know, I had enough Tennessee in me, and, and yeah. then you know, I think I I went to like one football game, and I was like, oh, I want to go to there, you know, like that's yeah. where I'm gonna what I'm gonna do, and you know, not of course not really thinking through like, oh, they don't really have like a like production to, yeah yeah you know I was, I was like a cinema studies minor i think for one year yeah. um, well what what were you into growing up um sports and sports yeah i mean i i mean, you pick I, up the camera at some point in there i mean a little bit you know my buddies and i would make you know stupid videos and um but yeah no i was uh you know basketball was definitely my sport i mean i played a little bit of everything but you know, again, I think the Jordan stuff probably had a little something to do with it, but everybody had the poster, man. Yeah. I was a total, total gym rat. You know, I, I, uh, I, I will say I, you know, had a minor amount of natural talent and obviously I'm, you know, pretty tall guy, but, uh, <laughs> I, I, I earned everything I had in, in, you know, in the gym, my mom would, uh, she had MS. And so she would, you know, she'd be in, she'd go to the Y she was like one of those like hardcore workout people. And that's why, you know, I mean, there's, you might know her for 10 years and have no idea she had MS, but, really? but then you might be around her on a certain day and, you know, it's, you know, painfully, painfully clear, but, you know, it was just, she would exercise so much. She was, you know, every morning and then maybe Christmas morning and she'd be, you know, running five miles and, um, MS is nasty, man. It is. It is. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I would, she would go to the Y and I would basically just, you know, play basketball with people who are, bigger and older than me and, you know, get my butt kicked and, you know, and, uh, but yeah, no, that was, that was, you know, super into that and really always really into music and, um, you know, big comic book guy. And, uh, you know, so I, I had a lot of, uh, a lot of very strong interests, lots of yeah. kind of little mini obsessions. And bifurcated and, too, like some pretty, some pretty good, uh, 
the uh, comic book thing is like it's a little nerdy, you yeah. know. Oh, yeah. But but lots of artistry involved in it. Storytelling is a big part. Well, of it. I got in a lot of trouble as a kid. I was grounded all the time, so really? I got a lot of my. Uh, my my parents would do what they would call you know no electronic entertainment, which meant you know no, no uh, TV, no video games, no phone, you know. Yeah. And so I did Grounded. a lot of I I read a lot of books and a lot of comics, and I mean I I would say I was grounded as much or more than I was not grounded. Um, <laughs> uh, but you know, so I mean, I you know I I had always had a lot of things I was super into and. Um, you know, music was kind of a big part of it. I used to, I remember like my summer of my freshman year of high school, I, uh, was, you know, in this, uh, summer league, spring league with the varsity team. And so I'm, you know, driving down to the city with all these, you know, upperclassmen. And so they'd always, you know, these guys would be playing all this like super cool music and, like, Oh, what is this? What is this? And, you know, I'd go home and my check my stepdad's collection and be like, Oh, he has this Wilco album or this pixies album or you know uh you know all these just like super cool bands that you know i never you know and my stepdad had all of it and so you know that kind of ended up being sort of our kind of bonding thing is you know the music and movies and the simpsons and stuff like that <laughs> and so uh were you guys pretty close you and your stepdad um yeah you know i mean we're he's not like um a big talker. He was a little bit of a tougher nut to crack. I think. How and old also, were you when he came around? Uh, like two and a half or something. Oh, okay. So, so he's been, he's been, yeah, there a yeah. Minute. so yeah. And I mean, he's, you know, and he actually lives in Knoxville now, but he's, you know, he's been a big, big part of my life, but like, yeah. you know, kind of one of those things where like he and I could ride in a car somewhere and not speak for 30 minutes. And so like, you know, it would be something where, you know, the song would come on the radio and it'd be like, I think this is Sonic youth. I think this is Sonic youth. And I'd be sitting there, I'd be like, I can say something I can say, you know, and I'd be like, and I, I, you know, I'd bail out and I'd rather, you know, I'd be like, oh, oh, who is this? And he'd be like, Sonic Youth. And I'd be like, damn it, no. You know, it's a bonding so, opportunity. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you would have thought I was cool. And, you know, and so, you know, we, we had our stuff. And I mean, some of my favorite, you know, things that I love the most are all absolutely due to him. And, um, you know, my, a lot of my sense of humor and stuff like that, you know, absolutely, you know, came from him as well. But, um, you know, it was uh, it was also probably not easy for him because, like I said, I was sure. a little bit of a of a troublemaker, and yeah. so uh, were you the only one growing up with with him and your mom? Uh, my older sister, um, and she was okay. She's great, and I mean, she's you know she teaches in uh, inner city Chicago, nice. and uh, yeah. So my uh, my mom was a teacher, and my stepmom was a teacher, and my older sister, and then my younger sister is a teacher, and yeah. my wife is also a teacher long, long so, line of teachers yeah so i uh you know is your mom still around she is not actually um she you know like i said she had ms and it had gotten kind of bad and um she got this thing called pml which is this weird kind of like brain lesion thing and it's sort of like one of those things where like pretty much you know everyone dies from it and so she was like this freak case who had fought through it and, you know, was kind of doing better and better. And, you know, and then just kind of had a, you know, walking, you know, trying to typical, my mom fashion, trying to, you know, get out of this as quickly as possible. So she could, you know, visit with the grandkids and, you know, had the, uh, dog saw something, you know, she was taken out for a walk, dog saw, saw something and bolted and she fell and hit her head and, and every 
from that point on, it was kind of a uh, downhill battle, um, you know, one step forward, four steps back. And yeah. so, uh, yeah, I was actually on what was at the time, probably the biggest shoot of Lock and Key's, you know, existence. We were doing this thing for uh, Mercedes Benz. Um, it's like Mercedes Benz AMG thing. We we're shooting on this uh, property right next to Blackberry Farm. And, you know, we're on you know, day three of three. And, um, you know, I'm directing and, you know, and my mom had not really been doing well. And, you know, I mean, I'm in the just middle of the shoot and get the call. And, mm. uh, you know, like literally just had to like kind of walk off set for a minute. And, uh, you know, that's one of those times when you're very fortunate to have a team that you fully trust and you know pass the rain on to those guys and they just you know did a a, a fantastic job with it but you know at, at that point it was something where it she'd been suffering for a really long time and it was yeah. almost a you know you know i think she was about i think she was about over it as well so um you know just another one of those shitty things that you know you learn from and um you know just uh incredibly unfortunate she was she was a pretty pretty amazing person yeah. so i'm sorry man yeah um so the ut thing is that what uh your dad him being down in kingsport well, is that what got you to got you to come took, down here he took me to one game and i thought it seemed awesome and i you know i mean i just wanted to kind of get away from you know, from home and, you know, UT looked fun. And I think I, yes, I think I also may have heard that we were like some big party school, which also seemed yeah. super uh, exciting to me <laughs> you know, at the, at at the 18 time. Years yeah. Old. Yeah. Um, you know, so yeah, that's how I kind of ended up down here and, um, you know, met my wife pretty early on and she's at actually, UT? yeah, she's actually also from Kingsport. Um, oh, wow. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, there was definitely a time when I would have thought there's no way I'm not moving back to Chicago after school, but then, you know, Knoxville kept getting cooler and cooler, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I think there's also sort of this thing too, where, you know, I'd be visiting Tennessee from, you know, my you know, Illinois and just this stigma of like Tennessee is just a bunch of redneck hicks and all this, you know, and, and barefooted overalls, yeah. corn cob pipes. Yeah. And man, that, that used to piss me off so much when I'd like, you know, like, you know, go to like Gatlinburg or something. And, and it's like, they're really playing up those stereotypes yeah, and all that stuff. Yeah, and yeah. I'm just like, man, like, you know, it's, you know, there's a certain part of the culture, but it's so much more than that, you know? And Absolutely. so, you know, that, that kills me. And, you know, every time we end up doing some kind of like a agency gig, you know, agency out of Chicago, New York, whatever, like big markets, or I was like, oh, Knoxville, I like Knoxville. And so it's like, why not? Knoxville, Knoxville's there's, there's so much great stuff happening here and so much, you know, so much pride a lot of us have in the city. And I mean, I feel like there's so much talent here. And so it always, you know, it definitely bugs me that people don't see it, but I think we're kind of on a, a nice path to it. It's yeah. I, I, I think there's definitely a disproportionate amount of uh, creatives here. People doing <laughs> oh yeah amazing stuff, especially in the production world. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's wild. There, it makes no sense for, for why we, you know, everybody is in the industry here. It feels like everybody I know anyway. And, uh, it, you, you just wouldn't think that they just think we're another flyover, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and, you know, I mean, it's just, uh, I mean, help just think about how much downtown has come since. Sure. You know, I, mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible. And, you know, I, it's kind of like for me, it's, you know, 
sports, music, you know, it's beautiful. There's great places to go hiking and, yeah. you know, and you know, what else do you really want? You know? So, yeah. um, so the college thing was, you said you got a film or a film well, studies I minor. I, I didn't say I got the minor. Like, I said, I started <laughs> off as that, you know, I may have taken a class, uh, but yeah, no, I had a very, I, I, I had a little too much fun my freshman year. I, did I ended too. up ended up at uh, ETSU for a semester. And did you then, stay with dad when he did that? Uh, I think I made it one day, and then um, I showed up at home, possibly a little bit inebriated, <laughs> and uh, had a you know my younger brother and sister and uh, yeah. were you know and they were not awake at the time, but I yeah. Right. So I, he was I, like, "You're not coming." I home made like it. That. I made it. I made it one one day, one yeah. night. I think. then you went and got an apartment. Yeah, well, yeah, I was like on campus, but you know, I uh, was out there for a minute, and then you know, a semester, and then Mississippi for a year, and okay. you know, fought my way back. And then once I was doing, you know, the journalism, electronic media stuff. Yeah. Once I was actually doing what I enjoyed doing, then it was kind of a, a breeze. But yeah, I was a, I was a six-year student. So I mean, um, it's a great school. Why not hang out as I long as you can? So. <laughs> So sorry, mom and dad and, and <laughs> Mike and Teresa. Like I'm so freaking sorry for you know being a selfish asshole and making you pay for extra school. So, well, but you've you, you know you. I would it. never tell them that, but I'm going to use this opportunity. No, I. I, I know, I've, I'm yeah, gonna dog whistle it. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. I hopefully my kids will be more like their mom. And, yeah. Um, Did when you got out was the was it. Was it the the film thing or the the TV thing or were you going to be a broadcaster well, or news guy? I, or? I did. Well, yeah. Again, I don't want to say anything bad about um, news Not or anything, sorry. but uh, man, again, I just wanted to shoot music stuff, and yeah. you know, so I actually had first kind of gotten connected with a bunch of the AC Entertainment people. One of my really good buddies um, uh, worked there, and you know, they played basketball on. Uh, you know, I think it was Monday nights or something at the YWCA. And so I started going and playing with them and, you know, everybody we played with, I mean, pretty much like everybody ended up either was already a high level person or is now a high level, like at AC. Yeah. yeah, And like Ted Heineck, who like is in charge of AC now, he, you know, we, we would play and, you know, he, we played on a, he had me join his, uh, his, church league where I quickly learned that the two of us were the only two who did not play college basketball. And, uh, <laughs> it was, it was a lot, but, uh, but man, it was like two and a half years of, you know, bugging those guys until I like convinced them to like, let me shoot sundown in the city for free, you know? <laughs> and, you know, after a little bit of that, you know, it, that, that was kind of where the relationship started. And then, you know, uh, I think we did like the first, like the first year AC took over forecastle in Louisville. we you know, also did that for like, you know, I, it was, I don't, there was a tiny bit of money, I think exchanged hands, but not, you know, and so, you know, you get to that point too, where it's like, oh, you, you, once you build that trust, I mean, everybody wants to do stuff in the music industry. It's, you know, this big kind of fun Mm -hmm. thing, you know, it's ultimately it's once you prove that like, oh, he's not going to, you know, badger the bands. It's, you know, these, these guys can handle themselves. Yeah. But I, mean, I can remember going to the first Bonnaroo and, you know, waiting for one of the shows to start and just like seeing like the camera, you know, the video guys like up there. I'm like, how the fuck do I get to be that guy? You mm-hmm. know? 
And uh, then you realize he's just a dude making a day rate, just like yeah. everybody. Else. Oh yeah. 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 And so that was, but you know, that was always what I wanted to do. I never actually, you know, I have zero musical ability. I always have just been kind of a, a grand appreciator. And so, you know, to be able to like contribute to the scene in some yeah. way, but with, you know, well, that's interesting that, you know, the kind of the way that you started, um, had seemingly from the outside looking in is kind of, still like a little bit of nuts and bolts of your company too. Mm -hmm. Like it's still kind of your passion infused into a, you know, a company that's 10 years old now you guys shoot a ton of music festival stuff, right? Yeah. And that's, you know, that's something we built over, over time. And, um, you know, I mean, Eli's a huge music guy as well. And, you know, that was always something that was kind of really big for us, but I mean, you know, just a lot of, uh, a lot of sweat equity went into that relationship for sure. And, um, you know, getting to do, um, you know, I think it was 2013, 2014, we did the Bonnaroo hay bale sessions, which are basically this uh, thing they've been doing for forever. Uh, backstage, uh, they have a recording studio set up in like a trailer surrounded by bales of hay. And so basically, they, you know, they'd always done a like this was for radio Bonnaroo. So they do these like uh band would come in every hour and basically play two or three songs. They record them and they, you know, use them a million ways down the road. And uh, so they were like, Hey, we want to add a video element. And so, uh, you know, they brought us in and uh, uh, we had no idea how the hell we were going to like light it all. And, you know, and, and so that was actually the first time we brought in uh, Doug Griffey, who's now our head of production, um, and, uh, you know, he was at, at Jupiter at the time, but, you know, just kind of one of those guys who just like could talk about gear all day long mm. and just, you know, just gets it. And so, you know, he lit the whole thing. And so we did like, uh, it was like, a you know, it wasn't live streaming, but it was all live switched. And the idea was that, you know, these videos would then, you know, we would live switch it all. And then we would take the finished thing, add a couple graphics and whatever, and, you know, add the finished audio and then they would send them out there into the world and, so, yeah, it was like four days where it was, I mean, pretty much, you know, I think 10 bands a day, but once every hour, a new band would load in and, uh, you know, play a few songs, load, you know, and it was like, you know, it was a marathon. And as you might imagine, you know, they're going to kill the AC in the trailer when the band starts playing for the audio. <laughs> and so it would get really hot, but, you know, but unlike where, you know, traditionally you have a band all up on a stage, here you have the band all spread out. So we're actually in the center. And so like, I would literally just be like, you know, you know, it's awkwardly facing as humanly possible, holding this, this shot, you know, until it goes off me. And then like, I'm turning and I'm, you know, I'm the, you know, I'm on the, the drummer or, and it, man, it was, it was, it was wild, but it was, and it was in a trailer. Yeah. It was just in this trailer just packed in tight. Yeah. And, uh, but man, we had, you know, uh, you know, the, uh, Damon Auburn, we had um uh drive by truckers, uh Derek Jason Trucks. Isbell still in the band. Uh yeah, we did Jason Isbell. Um uh well no, this was actually we did Jason Isbell separate. This was yeah, this was uh separate from the truckers. Um man, we did some we did some incredible uh shows and Derek Trucks, man. What yeah, was it like being oh, close to that guy? Super cool. Um I mean and what, who, I'm, I don't know, I'm like completely blanking. Who's the woman that plays with them all the time? Susan Tedeschi. Yeah. Oh my God. Like she was, could not have been cooler. And I'll tell you, like, I'm always very much, I'm not going to, yeah. I'm not going to engage. If you yeah. engage, then I will, yeah. I will partake. And I'll say, I'm still a freaking like, 
you would think I would have gotten a little bit cooler over the years when it comes to like artists, but I know I'm nice to meet you. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. (laughs) but yeah, she was, she was actually one, like, uh, she was actually one of the more memorable ones where I was like, Oh wait, we were actually kind of ribbon on with each other back and forth. And, uh, couldn't have been cooler. I mean, you know, I had some really cool ones, but uh, I was, I was actually telling some of the story the other day, but yeah, I can just remember, you know, at one point it was uh government mule and, you know, I'm on, I'm on my knees and I'm got my little sh- shoulder rig on, you know, and I'm Warren Haynes. is just in the middle of this nasty solo. <laughs> so I start like this forward move where, you know, I'm on my knees and I'm just start like slowly moving my body weight towards him, towards him. And, you know, I'm waiting for Eli to switch off me waiting. And I'm like, Oh God. All right. And the solo just keeps going. And I'm like, Oh man, I'm, I'm, you know, and then next thing I know, I feel my rig bump his guitar. Oh. And so I just like, I freeze and I'm just like, Oh God. And I'm like, I didn't want to look up. I didn't want you know, whatever. And oh, no. so finally I, I look, he's miles away, man. He had no freaking idea this had happened. He's just, you know, already gets in there. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. And I was like, Holy crap. And it, we never, we, he, he very kindly did not bring it up. There's no way he did not feel it. I can tell you that much. Um, but uh, yeah, we, uh, I don't even know if I want to tell this story. Uh, this is also probably one of the most unprofessional things I ever, ever did. So, uh, and it's still so for an autograph. No, 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 no. It's, this is, so are you familiar with the band, the XX? No. Uh Really freaking cool. They played Big Ears. Maybe. That's why I don't know them. I'm not. Uh, no, I'm but, not cool but, enough to know bands that play well, Big Ears. They're they're a Big Ears band that you would you know like they yeah. played Bond like they're you know a, a very cool band that I, I I really liked a lot and so uh, you know this is like whatever it was like the Saturday it was either thirteen or fourteen and uh, uh, Paul McCartney's playing that night right so yeah. one of the nice little perks of this was is that we would finish. And then, you know, probably grab dinner or whatever. And then the, uh, some like the, you know, media people, whatever, they would walk us, escort us to the pit for whoever the headliner was that night. At so, the main stage. Yep. Yeah. And so it was going to be Paul McCartney. So it was just like, hell yeah, this is Paul McCartney. So, uh, so basically we find out the night before that show that the XX, that they were going to probably add them. Is it cool if we add them, you know, the, you know, the end of the day. And we're like, yeah, I think we yeah, we can do whatever, you know, I mean, to the like, hay bales. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. it was going to be, you know, the following day. It's really, you know, and of course nobody asked us this. They was just like, Hey, can you guys do it? Like, yeah, sure. And so, uh, several times throughout the day, uh, so basically we were going to do them. I think it was like, we're, our last band was, was going to be at like five and they were going to come at like six. And mm-hmm. so all, you know, several times that day, people from their team showed up and were kind of you know, checking things out and which was also kind of weird because none of the other bands really, you know, did that. And so, basically it comes time to where it's like, okay, you know, they should be there. And, and we're like, Oh, they, and they're, they're running late and they're running late. And so we're like, oh, okay. You know, it should all be fine. And then it's, you know, it's like seven o'clock and we're like, Oh, it's getting kind of late, you know? And, yeah. and, you know, then it's, you know, getting closer to like, I think Paul McCartney was supposed to start at like eight. And so we're just like, Oh man, this is getting kind of rough. And so, you know, meanwhile, while we're actually, you know, shooting these things. There's only two of us in there physically shooting. And then we have our, our technical director. So we get to this point where we're like, Oh man, I don't know if we're going to make it. And so, you know, I try and tell the crew, I'm like, Hey, you know what guys, if you're not on this, go with them, you go know, to Paul go, McCartney, yeah. get escorted, do the, into thing. the pit, do the thing. And so, uh, you know, so we're just like waiting and waiting. 
And so then finally, you know, they show up. And so it's like their manager or whatever. And so the, the, the funny thing is that we had this other guy who was out there who was shooting some B-roll for uh, basically we'd have like a unique intro for each of these videos. And uh, oh, that's cool. So he was getting like a couple like shots of, you know, whatever. So they walk in and uh, and they see us. And, and there's actually a video shot of this where you can see them walking in or whatever. And then you see one of the guys from their team ushers the other one. It whispers something. And then the guy like turns. He's like, you he's like no video, no video. And we're like, what? And they're like. You're not, you're not essential. You have to leave. And we're like, what? Wait. And it's like, you have to go and kick us out of there. They, these same people had been in there multiple times. They knew there was video and they make us leave. And as I walk by the guy and the manager you know, says this, and again, like I said, this is hands down. I cannot believe I'm actually going to admit this, but there was not a lot of space to get past him. And I may or may not have made a considerable amount of shoulder contact. And as I groove it a little bit, uh, (laughs) and as I walk out the door, I'm literally just sitting there waiting to hear if there's like a commotion. Cause like he's on the ground or something. Cause you know, I'm, you know, a bit of a, a, you know, bigger dude. And thankfully it all was nicely brushed off. But so then of course we get out of there. We're livid. We can no longer get, into the pit for Paul McCartney. We also can no longer get anywhere even remotely reasonably close to the stage to where basically, you know, I go from, you know, and meanwhile, we're getting photos sent from, you know, other people who, you know, been out there who are like literally, you know, 10 feet away from Paul McCartney having the greatest time ever. And we're stuck like literally like, you know, like the, the porta potties all the way at the way, way back at the main stage. And it was, I mean, it was, Cause you waited on these assholes yeah. for them to show up and then tell you you couldn't be there. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. And I, it's like, I didn't want to tell the story because, you know, uh, it obviously it's unprofessional, but you know, well, f- for me, that's pretty freaking bad, but more so now I'm just like, now I'm just super bummed out. Cause it was like the greatest show ever. And, you know, I will probably never see Paul McCartney ever again, you know? Uh, Cause I'll never want to see, you know, pay like, a thousand dollars to you know sit you know a thousand yards away from it. Well, so. it's two thousand now after the pandemic. Oh yeah, so, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm oh, sure. What are what are the big ones for you? Like what what are those moments of shooting concerts that you're like, shit? Uh, I am ten feet away from this guy. Uh, I'm sure you've had a bunch was, of those there moments. There was Forecastle. One of the years, the Flaming Lips were there, and so me and uh, one of my buddies. Uh, this is also one of the cool things of like getting to occasionally bring you know, a friend to one of the festivals. And so, you know, like I'll have somebody, you know, come and they'll be like, you know, hold, you know, basically be like my lens caddy, you know, cause yeah. you know, when I'm out there, I'm shooting video, but like, I will also, you know, sometimes shoot photos and stuff like that. But yeah. so I, I want to talk about that, but I'm, I'm, I'm the guy who, you know, I'm the guy who has like 15 lenses in my bag and, you know, uh, and we'll use every one of them. And so I remember we were like on the little side stage, you know, area, you know, on the uh, forecastle and, you know, there's like the little enclosed area, like, you know, just the side of you know, the stage yeah. and uh, security comes through and I'm standing there with my buddy and the lips are getting ready to go on soon or whatever. And security goes and is like, up, oh, everyone clears everybody out and then sees me and was like, nope, you're cool. So basically every, all the people are just like hanging, whatever, you know, they all get booted, you know, and if you're up there, you have some kind of a badass pass or else you yeah. would not even, so everyone gets booted except for me and my buddy, uh, Patrick. And, uh, then I also look over and it's like, oh, there's 
Kurt Vile, and then the lips come in. And then like, basically it was just like all of the artists that we were there to see were, it was pretty much like us and them all in this like little enclosed place. It's probably, you know, half the size of where we are right now. And then like, you know, the lips, they're like putting on all their, you know, their show makeup and all this crap, you know, and we're just sitting there like, uh, uh, you know, and of course, you know, we, you know, we, 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 we played it all very cool. And then the next day uh, we actually did like a, uh, shot this like little session they did at the Muhammad Ali center. And uh, basically like they needed one person from our team to show up early. So basically like for like two hours before the show started, it was basically me and the flaming lips in this little small area. And it was like, I just had to, you know, had like a couple quick questions and that was it. And of, like I said, I'm not a very smooth with these guys. So I'm like sitting there just like super awkwardly, just like, uh, uh, you know, like taking the occasional photo, but got to do like a, a tour of the museum with Wayne and uh, oh, that's cool. He, uh, I mean, he was, you know, cool as can be. He seems like a down to earth guy. Yeah. Super, super cool. Super nice and friendly. Uh, I think I feel like I could have, I could have talked to him the whole time and he probably, you know, whatever. But I, I, like I said, I was kind of played pretty cool, but that was a, uh, that was a huge one. And then uh, also at forecastle, uh, like I'm a huge replacements guy, uh, you know, the band the replacements and yeah. uh, they were, they were playing out there. And uh, so my wife, was with me um, and uh, who I will say is a pretty incredible camera assistant. And, <laughs> and so it was like one of those things where after like, you know, two songs, they clear out, you know, that's like kind of a standard thing. Like they'll clear out everybody, all the press from the pit. Yeah. And so, uh, and normally like the, the house team, we can stay. So like a lot of times I will wait until after the third song, when everyone, everyone gets cleared off yeah. and I just have free reign. Uh, and so, uh, you know, the, the guy who founded the festival, his, his wife was, uh, was out there and she was like, Oh no, you guys can stay. Cause she knew that this was like a big show for me. And so, so yeah, so Susan and I got to watch the replacements and like, literally like the stage, yeah. you know, and it Riding was, the it rail. Was, and this, this, this is another, and um, my sister is not going to be really happy about that. I'm telling this either, but she, my older sister. So she, she came down from Chicago to go to the festival. And so I had like, you know, I hooked her up with the pass, her and her boyfriend, and it was like very strict rules. I'm like, you do not talk to anybody. You know, if you're going to, you know, like literally like do not go in the, like do not do these things. You know, like I gave her a million rules because my sister, you, you have to give her a million rules or else, you know, she, she's a little bit of a liability. She's an amazing person, but, uh, you know, she, she's going to have a good time if she can. And so, uh, so we're out there, we're, you know, Susan and I were watching the show and, you know, I guess she, her and Joe, they, they, they see that we're, we're right up there in the front. They were actually watching from the side stage and like, Oh, there's, you know, I'm going to go see, I'm going to talk, go in there with Andy and her boyfriend, Joe's like, no, 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 no. He said, don't do that. You know, it's like, that's my brother. I'm going to, I don't ever yeah. see you. I'm going to go, you know? And so I look over and I'm, you know, I'm like right in the middle of the, I look over and I see her running towards me with like four security guards chasing her. And I'm like, Oh no, Oh no. And I go, I'm like, Oh no, no, no. And they're, you know, about to, you know, take her down. And the, uh, the, the founder, his wife, whatever runs over and it's like, Oh, she's fine. She's fine. She's fine. And so my sister then got to watch the rest of the show with me and I'm so pissed. I'm just like, yeah, I, I, I ruin it. For she, you? No, it, it think, <laughs> thankfully I get it. Let me say, I have a million stories that are not horribly unprofessional. These, some of these are, uh, I don't <laughs> no, know that why. wasn't too bad. Well, it's, it, it's the fact that I take that stuff so serious is yeah. why we get to still be exactly where we are. But like you said, you don't pester the bands. I mean, it would be yeah. so easy to fanboy out on oh, yeah. Wayne Coyne or, yeah. you know, 
or the replacements. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, but so it, it's uh, some of these things are very sacred. So I'm I'm a little bit more uptight about it than uh, you know than most. But that's also why I get to have those experiences. Right. And so so she got to watch the rest of the show with me, and you know, it was all great. But of course, I give her shit, you know, and I'm <laughs> sharing it here as well. So do you uh, get to enjoy? the festivals at all or is it work all the time i mean it seems like it's long long days so for me and we were kind of talking about this a little bit earlier you know i almost i mean for somebody who went to so many shows all the time like i almost don't have like i can't even almost enjoy them without a camera yeah and it's you know (laughs) so um it's just this weird feeling of being like able you know these great things happen and getting to like capture it and you know getting to like contribute in some small way you know and so you know most of my hard work i mean a lot of it comes on the planning side and you know again i have awesome people who i you know trust and they you know they handle their stuff and uh you know so when i'm there i mean like i'm having a lot of fun because you know also i mean i used i went from kind of being the guy, you know, who's shooting and editing everything to, I don't ever, like, I don't, you know, I basically like, I shoot festivals, I'll do some photo stuff. I, you know, occasionally I'll direct something still, but for the most part, the festivals are like that one thing where it's like, I'm not giving that up, you know, yeah. like most, you know, I mean, most, a lot of what I do is like client stuff and creative and, you know, just like running the business type stuff. And, uh, <laughs> which is a full-time job. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. And so I, you know, and, you know, it's kind of a sad thing, too, because I feel like, you know, I sort of blinked and stepped away a little bit. And then, you know, even like, you know, it's like a few months later, come back and it's like, oh, crap, everyone has gotten so much better. And yeah. so, you know, like and, this place runs itself. Yeah, I know. And so, you know, the festivals are kind of that one time where I get to like, you know, be in the trenches with everybody and be like work as hard or harder than than the rest of them. And, you know, put in the crazy hours and, you know, have all the, you know, the, the good uh, late night hang sessions with the team and. You know, so like, I mean, I freaking love it. And honestly, I feel like I didn't realize how much I needed it until the pandemic came. And it was like having it taken away and being like, oh, wait, now I'm not getting to do anything creative. And it's terrible, you know. You got a first show back yet? Um, Well, I, you know, we've been doing that thing for the Entrepreneur Center. And so we've gotten to shoot a yeah. few bands. What's that? Uh, uh, this is this cool uh, event they're doing. It's this, uh, what's the big idea. It's like a pitch um, competition. Um, and traditionally it's a uh, live event, but obviously not now. And so um, yeah, Chris McAdoo came up to us and basically was like, Hey, we want to make some really cool like music videos, uh, you know, to kind of be a part of this big show. And then we'll play some of those and then, do the pitches and, you know, play, you know, essentially it was kind of an opportunity to make some fun music content. And so Mm. we we kind of went with that, but, uh, but yeah, I think, I think the first one back will be Railbird Festival in Lexington, um, which, and then uh, Bonnaroo is. Is that in September this year? Yep. So basically it's like Railbird, then we got a week off, then Bonnaroo. And then. Is everything pushed into the fall? Mm -hmm. Is that kind of how it's going? Yep. And then the following What's that going to do, uh, you think, for attendance? For Because all that stuff is college kids a lot of times. And summer, you know, people on that the summer tour crowd. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I feel like if you could go to Bonnaroo right now safely, would you do it? I don't know. Yeah. Well, maybe that's a bad one. I mean, if there was, if you could go to like a festival that was more, you know, 
people are excited to see live music is what yeah. I'm saying. It's oh, like, gotcha. You know, so it's, yeah. it's, uh, you know, yeah. I, I think people will be ready for it and, you know, I just hope we can avoid, uh, you know, messing this up, you know, yeah, I feel I know. like we're, we're heading in the right direction. We're going to see but... Billy strings at, uh, ah. But great stage park. I will be there. You will be. I, are you I, shooting? Yeah, we are. Yeah. Awesome. So that's in May. Yep. Right. And so, yeah. Uh, and so there's another show before that, that uh-huh. I do not want to be the one to, to, to break the news, to break the news. <laughs> so um, but they're going to announce one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's nothing I would, I don't know. I, I'm just going to stop. It, I'm just going to stop. Style. It's no, not your, no, not, it's, not your, it is not, not your but, music, but, um, but yeah, no, we're doing some, some sponsor content out there and awesome. some marketing stuff. So, okay. So, so Railbird, Bonnaroo, the Billy Strings thing. Yeah. And then you were about to say one more uh, and I interrupted you. Yeah. No, well, uh, Moon River in Chattanooga okay. and Bristol Rhythm and Roots. Oh, that one looks good. Is, uh, Bristol is, um, so both of those are the same weekend right after Bonnaroo. So ah, that's Are you having to split crews or are you going to go to both? We are. Uh, we, are. Um, <laughs> we are definitely splitting crews. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I don't, I'm not even sure which one I'll, I'll be on yet, but you need uh, a chopper, man. Just yeah, go back and forth. I am. Yeah. Nowhere near that important <laughs> to get a chopper, but, uh, but yeah, no, they're, they're both great. And I mean, honestly, Bristol, uh, you know, obviously most of them are AC, uh, or festivals, but, uh, you know, Bristol's kind of a special one cause it's also, you know, King sport, the tri cities. Yeah. So it's kind of a, um, opportunity to be more in the, you know, the home area. And it's also just a very different, uh, very cool. Like, you know, it's the, tw- it's actually the 20th anniversary of Bonnaroo and the 20th anniversary of Bristol rhythm and roots. Have you ever been out there to that one? No, I have. Well, I, I have been, I've been there coincidentally while it was happening and caught a show or two. Were you, you were out there with, uh, um, uh, I think we saw you guys. Really? I think you guys had a, also had a drone. Oh, there, there may have been somebody. I don't think I was there oh, with, um, working. Uh, Brent Collier was out there. Okay. Yeah. That's my, um, that's my boy. Yeah, no, he's yeah. he's a good dude. But yeah, I remember I remember uh, crossing paths uh, with those guys out there. Yeah. But uh, was it like an anchorman like storm? Drain? Oh, we fought like, in what the do streets. You do? It, yeah. it escalated Stab very quickly. Dude uh, with we'll a trident. Say, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, we we've actually had a few of those where uh, you know all of a sudden a drone has popped up and uh, that was not ours, and yeah. you know. Um, you find that drone pilot yeah. right now. I want that thing well, out of the sky. There was one at Bristol where this guy is hovering the drone about, you know, 200 feet above a giant crowd of people, which is a very big no, no. And it was raining. Mm. And we were like, that drone is going to fall from the sky and seriously injure someone. And, uh, you know, and so we, uh, we were, you know, trying to figure out, you know, where this person was and whatever. And they, they kind of got away with it. But, uh, yeah, a lot of the the AC festivals, I will say, they do not mess around, and there will be like, you know, federal agents with these like EMP guns, and yeah. they will shoot those things out of the sky with rock salt, yeah, shotguns. Well, <laughs> well it, it, like I like I think like actual like EMP style like what's that like electromagnetic pulse like oh. kills the fries it, but then it would just fall. Yeah, but they do them like when it you know when it's it's, it's when a they're... yeah. Yeah, and actually, you know, oh, that's awesome. And, and I'm, I'm actually, I'm gonna give uh, our guy Charlie from our team uh, a little love here. So he's like our main, you know, drone guy, and he's so hardcore about all the the uh, regulations. Yeah, it's so hardcore about it all. And so, like, you know, we oh, you know, especially I mean, the festival stuff. It is a huge thing to get access to do that stuff like mm. legally. And yeah, we were at Forecastle. Like, it was, I think it was uh, 2019. 
And uh, he was, you know, getting ready to put the drone up for like the last show of the night. And it was like one of those things where, you know, it was like there were certain paperwork and things you're, you're supposed to have with you and you're always supposed to have the spotter. And if you're doing it at night, especially. And uh, yeah, he he puts it up in the air and then, you know, the guy comes up and starts talking to him. And, you know, it's like every time you put a drone in the air, somebody's going to come ask you the same dozen questions. But this guy worked for the uh, FAA oh. and was like giving him the third degree and was like, do you have that? Whatever. And Charlie had every single piece of information and he was just like i have never seen anybody this prepared and it was just you know kind of charlie you know came back it was like the the giant mic drop moment of this is why i'm so hardcore about this crap you know and it i read my me tars yeah, <laughs> yeah it uh it, it paid off so I, I i will i will give him lots and lots of credit but again professionalism so there it's you like go. you can be a badass and there you can you make cool shit and you can you know be the fun creatives, but you handle your shit. Yeah. You know, you, you, you keep it tight and then you get to keep doing the fun stuff. So you know, that's a big part of it. I want to, um, I want to talk about your, uh, failure.jpg. JPG. Yeah. That's a, a pretty sweet thing that I didn't stumble on until you texted me about it. Well, uh, when we were preparing for this and that is super cool stuff, man. The, well, photo- the concert photography. Well, thank you. Is that like you're there shooting video and then you you pop out your you yeah. pop out your stills camera and grab some cool stuff? Yeah, and so that was honestly that had more to do with. Uh, I mean, first of all, I've always been video guy. Um, you know, the photo stuff kind of came is more of a you know DSLR revolution. You know, like, it was kind of like a oh I, I we have a five D that I shoot video with all the time, and my son was born. I'm going to take some great pictures, mm-hmm. and I have you know, and being like, why are all my pictures? garbage and you know and so then just kind of started the uh obsession with being like i don't you know i'm really good at shooting video with this thing i should also be able to shoot adequate photos and so it kind of made a you know kind of motivated me to get better at it and then you know yes like i'm always shooting video first at the festivals but then i'd be like oh i'm gonna bring my camera in the bag and you know once i have everything i need i will maybe take some photos and so like you know a very high percentage of the photos that i've taken you know, I'm like in a crowded photo pit and I have like an FS7 in between my legs. I'm trying not to drop it. I'm just, you know, <laughs> snapping off some photos. And, you know, cause, I mean, so so much of the, you know, when you're when you're doing the video stuff, it's like you can only use so many shots that are from the same perspective or the same thing, you know, so samey after yeah, a while. It, so, you know, I move around a whole lot. And so sometimes you're kind of like, wait, you know, it's like, oh, I already have this killer shot from the stage, but I'm going to wait till the lights change up or wait, you know. Or like, I know that this pyro is helming or whatever. So, you know, take a few photos. And so, uh, uh, and, you know, like a lot of times too, I, you know, it'd start, you know, we contribute content to like the social teams and like, we'll be. For the festival. Yeah. So we, we make a ton of stuff like, you know, on site, like we're pumping stuff out, like left Shooting right. it during the day, editing yeah. it overnight. Well, They're like, putting it out the like next day. Editing it during the day, like Bonnaroo, like we will do. We might have like 10 videos that we will create and they will post that same day. Wow. And same with sponsor content. So, like, so we're like, you know, we're used to turning around. And so then, you know, started submitting some of the photos. And so the festival will be posting them and, you know, we'll post them on our socials and stuff like that. And, um, you know, then getting to the point of like, you know, I'll shoot video, but then I'll also do a couple photos and then basically like send it to my phone, do a quick edit, send it to the festival. And like, they'll post it like wow. two songs in or something. Wow. So, so, um, but so we have, uh, do you, are you, do you also know Andy Vincent? 
I do know Andy. Yeah. So yeah, he, yeah and Andy's. I met her. him the same night I met you, and he and I've been yeah. back. We've talked back and forth a little bit. Andy is also an awesome dude. And um, should he come uh, sit in that chair? Sometime? He absolutely should. And okay. uh, he should. But you should totally get Lauren Fife. I think she would also be, okay. be great. Um, uh, but yeah, no. And so Andy's, you know, a very badass uh, concert photographer as well. And so, um, you know, I, I've I've learned quite a bit from him. Um, and so, uh, you know, like basically kind of became this thing where I started, you know, it's like I would shoot and, and yeah, like if I would have a little bit of time, I might, you know, submit some of the photos to the festivals. And, um, but more often than not, I would just kind of maybe just go on the hard drive and mm-hmm. I wouldn't really think about it. And, you know, maybe like occasionally go digging into it. And, and so I just kind of got to that point where, you know, when the pandemic hit, I was like, I bet I could post like a photo a day until the pandemic ends and it would be totally fine. And it's one of those things where I've been wanting to hype myself up to do this for so long. Cause my Instagram account, it was never really a, something that, you know, it's like I focused on locking keys, Yeah, you know, and it's like my stuff would always be secondary. And so, you know, missing out on a year of, of music and, you know, not really having much of a creative outlet, you know, I kind of, uh, mentors like, Hey, I want to be able to, you know, put some of this stuff out there. And so it's actually, you know, I mean, you know, the, some of the stuff I posted has been things that, you know, maybe the festival posted or maybe lock and key posted at some point. Um, but you know, all stuff that I have never have. And, and I mean, the bulk of it's been stuff where I'm like, Oh shit, I had no idea I had this giant, you know, bank of photos from the killers, you know, or I'm right. Like, and, uh, so it's been, it's been fun just to kind of, uh, challenge myself to keep, doing stuff like that. And so I think the hope is that once we actually start shooting more again, that I will continue with it. You, you have know? a book now, right? I yeah. mean, you had it the whole time, but you, but you, yeah. uh, now it's all put together. Yeah. That Gary Clark Jr. Photo. There's two of them you posted, but one of them is he's got this look on his face. It's just oh. like a half snarl. I'm like, Oh, dude, oh, it's, it's, I can hear it. <laughs> you know, and, and, and like most, you know, <laughs> uh, photographers, you know, getting started, it's like, you know, I would just take way too many, you know, I just rapid fire them off. And then yeah. you start realizing you're like, Oh, I have to go through all these. And that's also why I would never really, you know, call them all. And so, uh, you know, it's been nice kind of looking through me like, Oh yeah, these are actually starting to look really good straight out of camera as opposed right. to just like, I can edit them well, but, but it's been, uh, you know, it's been fun and it's been something that's, I think kind of keeping the create creative juices flowing yeah. a bit. And, uh, you know, it's been, been kind of nice but I, I think ultimately too it's like sort of my goal to be like you know i would love just to be able to you know when i want to go to a show to be able to just get a photo pass and you know actually like you know maybe eventually build a website or something you know just to be yeah. like hey like my actually my collective body work is 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 pretty impressive but so much of that is just because i have this crazy access through lock and key i was gonna say that's the thing that that our business affords us that is really probably oh, the yeah. most amazing thing is access oh yeah I mean, I've been in some crazy places that I would n- don't deserve to be ha- oh, yeah. if I not ha- would have not had a camera in my head. Oh, yeah, know? and, and uh, that old joke of like you could literally walk in anywhere if you have a camera. It's called cinematic immunity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look it up. Look it up, pal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, I, I think about that stuff too, and I just kind of feel like an asshole sometimes where I'm like, I have all these photos. And, you know, meanwhile, like poor Bill Foster gets booted from the pit after three songs. And, you know, and I've just come strolling on in, you know, like. You know, this is the world's yeah. biggest asshole. And, well, that's uh, the difference between being a press pass and being a being an, a house hired person, right? Yeah, yeah, and you know, and I, I think too, one of the other things that 
kind of stands out with us. It was, we, we get super invested with our clients and with these festivals. And so, you know, everybody's kind of all in on it, you know, all year round. And, and so, uh, you know, I feel like in a lot of ways, you know, we earn that and, you know, yeah. we're, we're, we play a big part of the conversation leading up to the festivals and all the content sure. being created. And, and I think that's also the other big, it's just not just another assignment for you guys, yeah. it's something you're invested in. And, and I think that's like one of the things people like don't really realize it's like, we don't just like shoot the festival and then, all right, we'll see you guys next year. It's like, you know, you know, in past years, it's been, you know, in between the end of Bonnaroo and the start of the next Bonnaroo where we would have, you know, put out like 200 something pieces of content that they've used in a variety of ways on social and whatever, you know, uh, you know, million different, uh, ways, uh, over the year. And so, so much of it is, you know, you're building it, you're promoting that event, you're doing it, promoting it during the event, but then also you got to keep people engaged all year. Remind yeah. them what, what a fun time it is. So, yeah. Yeah. You don't, you don't just get to quit on Monday. Yeah. 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 It's, it's post-production and then pre-pro for the next one. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm really trying, I think this time around just so it can be more sustainable. It's like, I want to try and be better about, you know, the balance with the family. And, you know, when I, you know, when I do have to be gone, like actually, you know, not trying to be, I'm going to show up at work on Monday and, you know, and taking more time off and, yeah, you know, making it a little better for, you know, with the kids. But of course, you know, my kids, uh, you know, after being used to me being gone, you know, 15 weekends out of the year, you know, they, uh, with COVID it's like, I miss one day and it's, and it's like how quickly you forget, you know, it's like, I'm here, <laughs> you guys have got me like every weekend, like one day I'm gone and it's yeah, like, it's a freak show. Yeah. It's like, dad, don't you care about us <laughs> yeah, anymore? Exactly. You know. Yeah, it's a balance, man. Yeah. It's tough for us. In it the, is in the biz, traveling a lot. You know, D- Doug and I were having a talk about this the other day, just about how you know this is such a unique industry where it's like there's just this expectation that you're gonna have these crazy long days, and mm-hmm. you know, and so I think it's like, thankfully, most of what we get to do is stuff that we really enjoy, and I mean, I I think it's it's pretty safely say that we have a much cooler job than most people and much more enjoyable, you know, we couldn't do it if you didn't enjoy it. I don't think because it's very hard work and it's long hours. It's Mm -hmm. time away from your family and God bless our, uh, understanding spouses and families that, that, that knew what they were getting into a little bit, but have, have, have stood by my, my wife is incredible and is, uh, you know, the fact what she does, you know, and what she kind of went through just kind of helping, you get over the hump and yeah. being so supportive and, you know, so it's, um, you know, been very fortunate enough because if I didn't feel like, oh, my kids are probably better off with me, not, a, you know, when yeah. I'm gone, you know, like they're, they're, they're in awesome hands and, you know, lots of, you know, family chipping in and stuff like that too. So, um, been very, very lucky, but also I think that, you know, it's like, as the role shifts is, you know, it's, getting a little, I think a little bit easier for me to be, feel okay. It's like, Oh wait, I, I can totally be gone and things will run every bit. It's like, if anything, I'm from the company. Or yeah, from yeah, the family? The com- yeah. 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 I mean, the family's, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's a lot harder for my wife than it is for my team to do. <laughs> my, my team just kind of crushes <laughs> it without me. Uh, well, there's it, like it, yeah. a dozen of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think my wife would, or myself honestly would be into adding more people at home, but, uh, 
you know, kids or otherwise. But, um, but yeah, you know, so I think it's kind of cool just to be like, oh, I don't have to be the guy. Like I have, you know, or the girl, like I have amazing people who, who, uh, you know, get the job done, you know, for me. So, um, yeah, I think it's kind of just a, uh, you know, the, the, the balance of it all and just kind of keeping the perspective strong, keeping, you know, being really mindful of like the areas where you're weak and where you're strong and, and, mm. and, you know, just getting better know. at the weak wins, leaning into the, yeah. leaning into the ones you're strong at and, and, and discernment. Yeah. Being able to be okay with not being good at some things. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, Feel you. yeah. You know, so it's, it's, uh, you know, I think 10 years, uh, is a, you know, pretty nice accomplishment. And, you know, I think it's just now it's, you know, where to kind of go from here. Um, so I'm excited for you, man. Um, and I know that seems weird, but it's like, uh, you know, I I don't want to be cheesy and say a rising tide floats all boats kind of mentality, but I truly, you know, believe something like that with, and I I love seeing you guys grow and I'm, and I'm so happy that, you know, we're, we're over here. It's good to compete against you guys. It's good to see you guys doing great work. It it makes us know that we have to up our game and, you know, I hope the same is, is, is vice versa. I think it's great for, I think it's great for us to have each other in, in town to work against one another. Yeah. No, I, I, uh, I, I think I told you this the first time, you know, I I met you, but I was like, man, I think one of the best things that happened for, you know, lock and key and pop fizz was, you know, when you guys had hired us, you know, many, many years back to kind of uh, take over two of the shoots for something you guys were doing for like the state of Tennessee tourism. And, uh, you know, so we kind of got to, you know, work with Brian a little bit, but like uh, Joseph uh, Mm -hmm. came on uh, the shoot we did in Chattanooga and um, Joseph another. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, And got to, he and I got to hang out for the day and, you know, and I think, you know, found a lot of common ground and, you know, absolutely made it to where, uh, you know, I think it changed our, pers- you know, definitely changed my perspective. Cause I mean, I'm like an incredibly competitive person, but, yeah. but I think just, you know, feeling like, Oh, like, you know, it's, it's once you kind of have that, that face on it and, and it becomes, it's like, Oh, these guys are super cool. And, you know, I, again, I will 100% say that we, you know, we keep tabs on what you guys are doing. And mm-hmm. when you guys do something cool, I know it uh, lights a fire under us to do yeah. something even cooler and then yeah. back and forth. And so we yeah. go, but I think it's a, uh, it's a great thing, you know, I think it is too. And I'm, and I'm, I'm happy for your, for your friendship and, and I'm, I'm glad that uh, to have the, you know, the, the open dialogue and also the competition too. Yeah. That's oh, yeah. super cool. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, yeah, I, you know, again, it was kind of funny that yeah, I've been on a bunch of shoots with uh, Matt Honkin and, and, uh, and I remember, yeah, he was the one that introduced us at the uh, Knox Media oh, uh, yeah, meetup thing. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Matt Honkinen did introduce you he and did. I. He was like, "What do you mean you don't know Andy?" I was yeah. like, "I've never met him. I've heard about him for years." Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. but you know, again, I think it's kind of one of those things where it's like, you know, I was always, you know, aware of you and stuff you were doing, and I think it's just kind of a cool thing, you know. And I think just this podcast in general, just the idea of you know, getting a little bit of insight into these other people that, you know, you, you like and you respect and, and just to feel like, Oh, I, I also feel that way. Like, I feel like the fact that, you know, this, um, you know, mentality that I have, or this, you know, kind of mantra is something that's shared by somebody else who's super successful and, and, and is doing stuff I really like. I think that's such a cool thing because we're not, you know, I know that I think all too often, I think we judge our success 
by the quality of the work we're putting out and not just like, oh, we made, who made more money? It's like, I don't give a crap. It's like, who, who's making great stuff that's like super inspired. You know, I think that side of it is, is what it's all about. And I think that's why, you know, I'm, I'm glad that it stayed pure that way and that I'm yeah. not, you know, um, uh, it, it feels just chasing dollar bills. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I feel like we would, I would probably not be doing as much work in the music industry if that was, <laughs> if that was the case, but, uh, yeah, it's never been a, a, a bastion of uh, money sharing or uh, caring about you your know, feelings, that music industry. <laughs> one, one of these days, you know, we're going to get a band to give us some, you know, you, then you start hearing, you're like, somebody got, you know, like half a million dollars to shoot a single music video. And it's just like, man, how about like, you know, 10 for us for something, yeah. you know, like, that'd be great. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, no, so it's, it's, it's been fun. Um, keep it up, man. Yeah. I'm super pumped to see you guys raising the bar and keep them putting out great stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You likewise. Know. So do we miss anything? Oh, I think I'm sure we missed a whole lot, but, uh, you want to do it again sometime? I would, I would love to, man. Uh, I would also love to do it, you know, sans audio recording stuff. I think we just sat down and started talking and I was like, oh shit, I think. Oh, was I supposed to record yeah. this? Yeah, uh, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> I'm always. Uh, I I will say as as I have learned all too often from uh, you know the the Zoom call era of uh, meetings, um, you know where you are kind of going through some you know big ex- exciting moment where I'm explaining something and then they're like, "Oops, oh, hey man, yeah, you were you were frozen." I'll tell you right now, <laughs> I am not better on the second go around. I at all. Uh, I cannot tell you how. Uh, I cannot tell you how how defeating it is sh- to be like oh man shot. oh man I was cooking I was I was so yeah. good I'm so bad right now yeah. so uh, I feel like that's why I would be terrible at stand up comedy you know I feel like the yeah. first time you say it it's great and it's it's perfect it's spot on but once it's rehearsed you've done it it's like ah it loses the magic it does <laughs> it does and so yeah so um, I I hope that one day they they uh they fix the the freezing issue and and that everyone gets good internet so that I don't have to repeat myself. So you don't have be, to do take two. Yeah, God, take two is is rough. So, uh, oh, Andy, cool. thanks for doing this, yeah, man. I really man. appreciate it a lot. Yeah, it's been fun. We'll see you soon. Yeah, sounds great. How was it? Is it good for you? Love that guy. It was a lot of fun. I'm I'm glad that we did that. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. Follow us on Instagram at South of Scruffy. Uh, go to patreon.com if you want to uh, support the podcast. Help us keep the lights on here. Patreon.com slash South of Scruffy. Uh, that helps us a lot. Helps us immensely. And uh, those of you who are patrons and, and support us that way, we appreciate it so much. Uh, it really means a lot. And it, it keeps it all going. So thank you all. Take care. We'll see you guys in a week. All right? Pitchwire. Let me out.